Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Welcome to the pen of a ready rioter. I just recently realized that that intro is uh, a little bit of a meme. Uh, one of my good friends, Justin, we also, uh, he helps, he edits the podcast for me. Shout out Mr. Massacre. And uh, we do worship together at our church. And on the, he does the sound and I'll play instruments and he plays drums too. But he was on the sound this particular day and then he was just like, hallelujah. And I laughed and I realized it's, I, I've, I told you guys, I think last time I go back and I've been listening to my podcast and just kind of feeling them out. And I do say that a lot. I'll do that or I'll do praise the Lord. But you know what? He's worthy to be praised. And, uh. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Romans 1, 16. How is everybody doing? I hope you're all doing excellent. Hope you're all doing well. I am getting wonderful reports of people listening and watching this podcast and just how it's helping transform their life. There is literally nothing cooler to me. And uh, sorry about the wait. Sorry it took me a little bit, you guys, to do another one. But I'm not sorry. Because if you listen to the last episode, episode 17, I believe, blessed, excuse me, blessed burp, I, uh, on the last episode I talked about one thing is needful, one thing is important, that it's intimacy with Jesus, and we cannot get distracted with all these things. Sure enough, man, right after that's what I was pursuing, I just started to get bogged down with things, and uh, there's just so many things I would like to do. Working on uh, this podcast is, you know, a big part of my life. And I'd like to, I got a lot of ideas for some music for the Lord, both rap music and reg and some worship music. Uh, I'm currently working on a book, so that's awesome. But uh, just getting to, again, lose sight, even though I just preached that message. Even though I just preached that, the the I was starting to give in to the, I got to do this, this, and this, and then I finally just, I just felt the Lord drawing me closer to Him, uh, calling me back to His love. Uh, he used this verse in Revelation, I'll probably share that here in a little bit, to to point to me what to do. And I'm telling you guys, you know, you're, you're thinking that Mr. Pastor, Mr. Preacher, Mr. Teacher, that evangelist, whoever, the person that's teaching the Bible, you, you might think it's just... um you know, they don't deal with the th same things that you do, but we do. Um, I will say we probably deal with them a little bit more better because we're pursuing the Word a little bit more, and we pursue it enough to teach others how to do it. But uh, temptation's there, folks. But uh, just thank God for listening to the Holy Spirit. Just that voice on the inside of you that is always leading you. You know, Jesus said, I lead my sheep. They know my voice. They follow me. He's the good shepherd. We can hear his voice easily. It's what we do. We are Christians if you've accepted Christ. So this episode is a, it's a freebie. It's a free talk. I'm just, I have nothing, absolutely nothing prepared. Uh, I'm just gonna, I'm trusting the Holy Spirit that he will just talk about through me whatever it is the hearers and the watchers of this podcast need to hear. And before we do that, you guys 
can email me at readyrider98 at gmail.com. Say it one more time. Okay, you man in the back, I'll say it. Readyrider98 at gmail.com. Tell me, give me a testimony how this podcast has helped you. Um, if you've been healed physically, if you've experienced the love of God, if you've put these practices into or put these teachings into practice, how has it changed your life? Um, send me pictures, send me voice memos. I would love to play stuff on the show. But anyways, yeah, what to talk about, man? What is there not to talk about? Jesus, man, just Jesus. I'll share that verse with you guys that the Lord showed me, pointing me towards stuff. Uh, Revelation, I have uh, currently, through reading uh, my pastor's book, I'm at the part where he is, uh, basically the book's called Real Grace, The Teachings of Jesus, and in this book he's going through almost every hard passage of scripture that looks like God's mean, uh, or Jesus at least, you know, it's every encounter Jesus had with somebody. It's looking at all the areas in scripture where it just seems like Jesus was kind of mean or harsh or something like that. And he goes through and he breaks it down because obviously if you're a fan of this podcast, you know we believe God is never mad. We believe all sins, past, present, and future sins have been paid for. The price has been paid. God is no longer mad. 2 Corinthians 5.19, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their sins, a.k.a. God is not mad when you sin that is no longer an issue. Now we can come boldly to the throne of grace. I just find that a little bit interesting. He doesn't sit on a throne of uh, love or he doesn't sit on a throne of faith. No, what does he sit on? A throne of grace. You can now come to your father intimately as a child, a son, or a daughter of the Most High God. You can come to Jesus as a lover. And now... We can, what does it say in Romans, man? This doesn't mean that you um, don't necessarily perform the things of the law, but now you are doing them, the law, the rules of God. You are no longer doing them based on performance, and you are no longer doing them so that your father is satiated with your performance. No, 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 that is old covenant. We are in the New Testament, people. God is love, and his true nature is, has been revealed through Jesus. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. John 6, 38 says, I came down not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If you want to know what God's like, if you want to know what God is like, what's the heart of God, it is Jesus. If you notice in the Bible, God the Father is always pointing towards his Son. And in the book of Revelation... The worship is centered around the Lamb of God, which is Jesus. That's what John said in chapter 1 of John. He said, when he saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who has taken away the sin of what? Of the whole world. Amen. The Father is always pointing towards the Son. He says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So you have this from the Father pointing down towards the Son. 
and you have the Son, and then you have the Holy Spirit. And the Scriptures teach that the Holy Spirit's ministry, His job, His work in your life is to point to Jesus. Jesus said, the Comforter, the Teacher will come, and He will testify of me. The Holy Spirit, Romans 5, 5, it says that He sheds the love of God abroad in your heart. The Holy Spirit's job is to point you to who Jesus is. So you just have this, the, the Father pointing down towards the Son, the Holy Spirit always lifting up the Son in the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit is so humble, rarely in the New Testament does He ever really mention Himself. He is always glorifying Jesus, and, and, and He's just so humble. I find that, I, I love the Holy Spirit for that. He's all about Jesus. But anyways, you are no longer keeping the law to earn God's love, but yet you can now keep the law out of love. What does it say? Romans 13, 10, love is the fulfilling of the law. Uh, Paul said in Romans 3, the 31st verse, he said, Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. By how? By love. God is no longer upset when you fail because God sees you in the spirit, not in the flesh. This is what he told Samuel when he was going to anoint the new king of Israel, David. Uh, 1 Samuel uh, 16.7 Man looks on the outward, God looks on the heart. If you've accepted Christ, you are perfect in the spirit. He thinks you're altogether lovely. There's no blemish in you. So anyways, this book that my pastors put out, um, it's going along those hard line, those hard words from Jesus that seem like it doesn't line up with the message that I just preached. And so it's awesome we're in Revelation now, and if you know anything about Revelation, the beginning of it that is, you know that uh, Jesus gives some pretty hard words to some churches. And these passages of Scripture have been just bludgeoned and have been used to beat down God's people, the sheep of his pasture, Psalms 140. Uh, three, maybe it's four, where the sheep of his pastor, pastor, these passages of scripture have been used to just club people over the head and get them into legalism and get them into works. I wish I could just go through this whole thing, but I'm just going to share with how the Lord spoke to me through it. It's, uh, it's the first church that Jesus is talking to in Revelation. He says, unto the angel of the church of uh, Ephesus, right? The angel, that's actually translated messenger. I believe this is written to the pastors of this church. These things says he that holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. This is Jesus. It's a picture. It's an image of Jesus walking through his church. Beautiful, because that is where he is. It is God's desire to dwell with his people. Even way back there in Exodus, God wanted to dwell with his people. Jesus says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou cannot bear them that are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and has found them liars and has bore and has patience and for my name's sake has labored, has not fainted. I've always heard this preached as this is Jesus kind of be like, this is the okay, you know, you're doing all these things good, but then he's about to go into the bad things. But just listen to this. Does this sound fun to you guys? I know thy works, thy labor, thy patience. I don't know. It said it just you you have bore things. Uh 
you have not fainted. I think it's kind of almost this, uh, I don't want to say backhanded comment because Jesus isn't trying to bring them down in any way. Um, you know, Jesus corrects the ones he loves in a, in a, in a kind, gentle way. And I believe personally, this is kind of Brockology almost, I suppose. I, I believe that if Jesus deals with you in a harsh way, in a hard-headed way, I think it's because you're hard-headed. I just had weird experiences because I'm telling you guys, since I came back to the Lord, uh, October 17th, 2017, it's been two years as of this month. When I came back to the Lord, God has been nothing but gentle with me, folks. God has been nothing but loving and gentle. Even more now that I've gotten a hold of the revelation of the grace and the love of Jesus. God has been nothing but that towards me. But then I come to Bible school and I hear, you know, God was really convicting me. He was really getting me on this. And, and it made my mind, I didn't understand because my experience with Christ was nothing but gentleness. The Spirit is always so just loving with me. Meanwhile, these people over here are saying, yeah, God really dealt with me and he really nailed me. He really got me on this. And I just believe it's because those people are hard-headed. That, I just, that's not the true nature of my father. It's really not. Jesus said in Mark 11, he said, I am meek and lowly in heart. You know, I'm humble. I'm gentle. I'm easy to learn from. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Does that sound like what this church is going through? You know, he said his burden was light. Meanwhile, they're laboring. They're, they're, they're bearing things. The scripture says, cast your burden onto the Lord. So I think this church was in works. I think they were trying to do things in their own strength. And uh, back to my other point real quick. I really believe if you operate meek and lowly in heart, Jesus can can be himself around you. Not that God's not ever himself, but I like I said, if you're a hard-headed person, if Jesus just came up and was just, you know, I just feel this way, soft and gentle, many people would not receive that. That's just kind of my thoughts on it. Uh, I can't say anything other than, you know, God's awesome and powerful and mighty, and he's the king of kings, and he's the lion of Judah. But God is a softy. God is so gentle inside. He really is. He is a, He's just full of compassion. The scriptures say he's full of grace and truth. Amen. So that's the picture of this church to me. And then he says, verse 4 of Revelation chapter 2, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against you, because you have left your first love. Many people preach this as, You don't love the Lord enough. You need to get on it. You are lukewarm. Jesus is going to spew you out of his mouth. And, and they put pressure on a congregation, on God's people. They burden them. And they and they they are forcing them to quote unquote do a work for God. You know, you better be producing fruit, or you're gonna get cut off from the vine. You might lose your salvation. We don't know. It's so mysterious. No, Jesus said, no man can pluck them out of my Father's hand. You're eternally saved and sealed with the Holy Spirit. I'll get plumb off the subject on that if I keep going. But praise God. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because you have left your first love. Mm, 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 mm. You know, you haven't been loving Jesus enough. Uh, God's really disappointed in you. No, no, no. You are born of the Spirit of God. 
Galatians chapter 5 says you have the spirit of his son in your heart crying, Abba, Father. That's what Abba means. It means Father. Wow, Jesus is just calling you into just a deeper relationship with him. Jesus said his father's good. Jesus said what human father would give their son a serpent when he asked for a fish. The preachers preaching that don't know God from a fire truck. Amen. What is the first love? Well, the Lord spoke this to my heart. What does my favorite verse in the whole Bible, entire Bible, is, is, is this verse right here. It's 1 John 4, 19, and it says this. It says, we love him because he first loved us. Mm. What are the first works? What is returning to the first works? It is... Uh, Retrieving back to the revelation, to the knowledge of God loves me. It is not this thing of I need to love God more. The truth is you can't love God how you're supposed to. You can't. You that's listening, you that's watching, you can't. You just can't. G what's the what's the commandment in the Old Testament and when Jesus was asked what is the most important commandment what is it it says love the Lord thy God with all your soul and with all your heart your entire being truth is you can't do that it's impossible you really can't there's always going to be some area of your life that you have not let Jesus in. And you might think you have, but lo and behold, another door opens and you want him to fill that area of your life. You want the truth that's on the inside of you to manifest on the, to, on, to the outside and become a, rea a, a reality, not just in the spirit, but in this tangible world. But it starts in the spirit. It's by faith you believe the things that God says about you. God says you're perfect. He says you're lovely. He says, you are priceless. You are invaluable to me. By faith, you have to believe that. I don't know about you folks, but uh, that can be a challenging thing to believe, you know, for a lot of people. We look in the mirror and we see blemishes on our face. We see zits. We don't like our haircuts. We don't like our bodies. We feel fat. We feel skinny. All these things. We don't like our body parts. You know, you search your mind. You think sinful things. You don't, you, you think things that are ungodly. Your, your mind isn't perfectly renewed, but yet God says you're perfect. Do you know that takes faith to believe that? How do you get saved? It's grace through faith. The grace, the unconditional, matchless favor and love of Jesus. Once you hear that, then you just, you just believe Jesus, and boom. His faith and wisdom and glory and love is just sucked into you and then, and then vacuum sealed in your spirit. Nothing can touch it. No sin. Praise God. What is the first works? The first works is, it's so easy, folks. I was right there getting into it, thinking about, Lord, I want to do this for you and this, and, you know, I love you and this. No, 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 no. When you find yourself getting like that, you just have to say, Father, I just receive your love. I receive your love. You know, I haven't been sick in months, maybe about four months. I'm talking. Anytime I feel pain, I pray for it, instantly goes away. Instantly. 
I'm telling you, anytime I, I do not put up with sickness. I submit to the love of God and I resist the enemy and he has to flee. Sickness has no part in a Christian's life. Absolutely not. And I'm not here to put you under bondage. I am not here to put you under, you know, if you're, you know, condemn you because you're sick, because you're dealing with sickness. I'm just saying, I'm trying to elevate your thinking because if you think, no, sickness is normal. It doesn't matter that I'm Christian. Then you're thinking just like the world. Jesus said, pray like this. He said, pray as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. Is there any sickness in heaven? I don't think so. We, the Bible says that our manner of life, the way that we operate, is heavenly. And not about you guys, but there is no sickness in heaven, and I do not put up with sickness in my life. I refuse to bend, to bow, to burn like the three Hebrew boys. You know, the scriptures say, let not the sun go down on your anger. Many people think that means, hey, if you're angry, uh, you need to not be angry by the end of the day. No, it's in Ephesians, I believe the fourth chapter. It says, let the sun not go down on your anger. What does that mean? Well, the, it's, it's like the, the sun is a fire. And as the sun goes down, the heat and the fire, it diminishes and it's extinguished. The Bible says, don't let your anger go down like that. There is a godly anger. Jesus executed godly anger. Jesus, twice in his ministry, he at the beginning and at the end, he walked into the temple, and they were, they were um, selling sacrifices, which was a big no-no because you're supposed to raise a sacrifice up yourself. And Jesus said, you've made my father's house into a den of thieves. And he, it says he made a, a whip out of cords. I don't think he whipped people. I think he just whipped in the atmosphere. He flipped the stone tables. He got all the people out of the temple. That's a holy anger. And it says, let not the sun go down on your anger. I'm telling you, folks, uh, you just, you got to get to a point where you just, you draw the line in the sand and you say, you know what? Either the word's truer or it's not. Personally, man, I think about this a lot. I would rather die than take medicine. And some people think that's really dumb, and I don't necessarily disagree, but what what more honorable way is there to go out than to die in faith? You know? Worst case scenario, I die. That's like best case scenario. I get to go be with Jesus face to face. But I just believe my father. I believe my father. He said healing is the children's bread, and I'm eating on that bread of life. Amen. Let not the sun go down on your anger. Don't become complacent. If you see something... That does not line up with what you see in this word, man. Just rebuke it. Stand against it. But don't get into work about it. I used to be like that. I used to be very, um, man, you go away, sickness. And then I was still sick because it was out of my own flesh. It was out of my own ability. I was basing it off of my faith. No, this is what I'm going back into. So I haven't been sick in months, folks. Last week, I had this rager headache for three days which was super abnormal. Absolutely, I did not understand. And I was doing exactly what I was just saying. I was getting real, I've spoken to the mountain. Why isn't it moving? Super works, religion-minded. Wondering why something I have done isn't work. Classic. Classic religion. Anything that points to what you've done is self-righteousness. But the grace of God points towards Jesus. It lifts 
Jesus up. So anyways, I was laying in my bed on the third day. Kylie was making dinner, and I was laying there in my bed. And I just said, Lord, I don't know what's going on right now. I don't know why I feel this way. Um, I, I don't know why the sickness is still in my life. But I said, Lord, and I just I just opened my arms like this on the bed, and I said, God, I just receive your love right now. And I just I started encouraging myself in the Lord like David did. said, God, I am your beautiful garden. You walk in me. You love me. You think I'm beautiful. The scriptures say in 1 John 4, 16, He that dwells in love dwells in God. What does it mean to dwell in love? It means to stay convinced of God's love for you. Not your love for God, but God's love for you. That's what it means. And I said, Father, I just receive your love right now. You are the vine, I'm the branch. I said, Jesus, I just abide in you, Lord. You're my source. You love me with an everlasting love. You love me for all eternity. I said, there, there's no moment I could ever find in the past where God did, did not love me, and there's no moment in the future I can ever find where he will not love me. And I just received the love of God almost instantaneously. That headache just began, just began to just evaporate, to just cease. And it was just so clear, man. Uh, telling you guys, I used to be in such a ditch about this stuff. I used to just be real. You need to speak to the mountain. You need to stand on the scriptures. You know, um, I'm telling you, folks, there's a better way, and it's through grace, and it's through love. Here's the thing is you do the same thing. You're speaking. You're you're believing in your heart, speaking with your mouth, confessing with your mouth. That That's a Bible principle. That's what you do. But it's the heart motive behind it. It's the heart motive behind it. I want to go over here to 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter is what it's called. And it says, uh, Paul speaking, he says, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass and a tinkling symbol. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. Wow. See, the Holy Spirit just knows what he's doing right now. I didn't even think about that part about removing mountains, but this is perfect. Uh, though I had all faith, man, you're a faith person. You you can move mountains. You, you You're building your faith every day. Though... You have all faith, and so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. I just want to point out that you can still have faith and and move mountains. You know, mountains being the metaphorical problems, sickness, uh, poverty, uh, you know, the the issues we deal with in life, depression, all these things. You can still have faith and move these things, but if you have not love, it says you are nothing. You're operating in a nothingness. Praise God. Though, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. Wow. You know, it would still profit other people to do that. If you gave a guy, Jesus had to do this. If a man asked for, uh, asked for 
the the shoulder off your back, give them your coat too. You know, you could do that. And in the world's eyes, wow, that's such a good person. But mm -mm. Jesus says, if you did that without love and you just did it begrud begrudgingly, it says it profits you nothing. You've definitely profited that other person a lot. That's for sure, for sure. But it profits you nothing. This is just Christianity, man. Dwelling in love, dwelling in God. I just, there's such an easier way to receive from the Lord. And it's, you know what, it's, it's, it's rooted in this right here. Romans chapter 8, verse 32 says, God, who spared not his own son, Jesus, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You know, the reasoning behind Paul saying that is, if you could believe that God Almighty wanted to send down Jesus Christ, the second member of the Trinity, leave heaven, become born as a human, Jesus had diapers on, so God pooped himself, became a baby, humbled himself, grew up as a child, had to learn like a normal human being, because it says he grew in wisdom and favor. Woo, praise God, he grew. If you think God, and then Jesus grew, Jesus grew, became a man, went through ministry, suffered all the things that he suffered in his ministry with all the attacks, but yet just walked right through the crowds as they went to stone him. And then, and then the top it off was, was crucified, was whipped, spit on, beat for you. And then on top of that was completely separated from God. The son was separated from his father, he cried out, Why have you forsaken me, Lord? Then went down to hell, took your punishment in every single way, then rose from the dead. If you believe that God was going to do that for you, check this out, while you were a sinner, Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God commended his love towards you while you were yet sinning. Paul says, if you could believe that, that he spared not his own son, this was the best God had to give. He had nothing else. No amount of money, no amount of jewels, of gold, of power, of authority, no amount of anything that we in the human world deem as valuable. Everything in heaven, nothing was as valuable as the sweet and perfect Lamb of God. Nothing. Paul says, if he spared not his own son for you, how shall he not also with him, meaning Christ in you, God living in you, how shall he not through Jesus give you all things freely? It's pretty logical, to be honest. You know, if, if you're telling me God went through that extensive experience that I just named off, and your body is suffering sickness, you're telling me that God doesn't want to heal your body? You are telling me that God Almighty would not want to pay your bills. Religion te teaches that God's using these things to punish you, but you know what? They can have their scriptures. 
The Pharisees had their scriptures in John chapter 8 when they came to the woman, brought the woman who committed adultery to Jesus. But here's the thing. The heart of God beats whatever scriptures that you can twist. I'm all for the scriptures. If you know me, if you've listened to this podcast in any way, I'm a word man. The scriptures are everything. I value the Bible more than seeing Jesus with your own eyes. I Sincerely, that's what the Bible teaches. Second Peter, the first chapter, that's what it teaches. The word of God is everything. Heaven and earth are going to pass away, but yet the word will remain, Jesus said. You can have all the scripture you want to prove why God's a big old mean God, but here's the thing. You don't know relationship if you believe that. I know my heavenly father. He loves me. He spared not his own son for me. And you realize what happened when you got born again? You were a literal child of the devil is what the scriptures say. You were a child of darkness. There was nothing good in you. You were evil before Jesus. The core of your being, your spirit was 100% Satan. You yielded to him. You were a part of him. But yet God, while you were in that state, says the word, the Bible, died for you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then you accepted Jesus and your whole spirit transformed and you have a new nature. You are now righteous. You are now one spirit with God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. One spirit, 2 Corinthians 6.17. Everything that's true about Jesus is true about you now that you've accepted him. 1 John 4.17, folks. As Jesus is, so am I in this world. Not in my flesh, not in my mind, but in my spirit. And the goal is to get it manifested in the mind and in the body. And I haven't arrived, but I have left, folks, and I am a lot further along than I used to be. And I'm going to keep on pushing till the day I see glory, till the day that I see Jesus and look him in the eyes of his, of, of his, his eyes of liquid love till I look in those. I'm going to keep on pushing. That's what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. Praise God. So if you believe God was willing to do that, the number one miracle that could ever take place, transforming you from a child of the devil to a child of light of God, you are now a son, a king, a priest of the Most High God. If you, were, if you could believe that he was willing to do that, when you did nothing, all you did was believe, and boom, you were transformed, then why are you condemning yourself because you don't have enough faith to get healed? It's silly. That's because you are trusting in your ability to believe and not his ability to love. If you could believe, if you could come to an understanding, if you could renew your mind on this, wow, God did that for me. Dude, healing looks like nothing in compared to you getting born again. Greatest miracle of the entire universe all through time, when time ends, past time. Greatest miracle. And all you did was sit there and say, Jesus, come into my heart. Then why are you pushing and striving and just struggling with getting healed, with getting your needs met? It's because you are sin conscious. It's because you're focused on your ability to believe God. You're living in condemnation, and you're not, what I'm talking about, dwelling in the love of God. Dwelling. Returning to the first love, which is what? 
wow, we love him because he first loved us. It's all just about the love of God. Everything I minister is all from the same point. If I was going to teach someone how to get healed, I would not go about teaching them a bunch of healing scriptures. I would not do that. What would I do? I would do what I'm doing right now. It's not a healing problem. It's not a faith problem. It's a love problem. Anyone who's not experiencing, me included, who is not experiencing God in a certain area of their life has not freely received God's perfect love. And what it boils down to is you're, you're sin conscious. You are seeing the outside things that you do, but God does not see those things. He's aware of them, of course. And he wants to help us. But he sees in the Spirit. In the Spirit. Praise God. I'm going to go over to this verse. <laughs> Romans chapter 5, verse 9, it says, verse 8 says, uh, God commended his love towards you that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. And it says, verse 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. That's Paul's point. He's saying if God did, Jesus died for you while you were a sinner, while you were, you were a child of darkness, it says how much more does he want to love on you now that you are his own and his name is in you and you have now received his identity for your life? How much more, man? I'm telling you guys. The reason I think I talk about stuff like this a lot is because me personally, I just got into such a mindset of, oh man, uh, I'm not experiencing something in my life that the word says I can. What uh, what do I got to do? First instinct, man, I haven't been in the word enough. I haven't been praying in tongues enough. I have not been witnessing enough. You know, I need to build myself up on my faith. You know, it's not God's fault. It's my fault which there's truth to that. If we're not receiving, it's clearly not the Lord's fault. It's not a it's not a problem with the transmitter, but the receiver. And uh, praise God, man. Excuse me, y'all. I'm just, God's just overwhelming. His love is overwhelming, folks. Uh, I, I got into this mindset of there's something I need to do instead of what? doing what I did last week, just receiving, God, you love me, and you want to love on me, and I let you love on me. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 2 says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. I just love the let him. You need to let Jesus kiss you. What does that mean? That means you're operating from a place of relationship, you know? It's boil everything down to relationship. A good father just loves. How does a good father love, man? Does he put sickness on you because you aren't uh, doing enough chores? I don't think so. You know, it, it's, let's put it like this in human terms. Me and my wife. My wife uh, cooks and I help her clean, but she does a lot of the cleaning. She does a lot of the laundry and I help out. But, you know, it's kind of her department. And, uh... She does all these things, these w womanly duties and whatnot. She's a Proverbs 31 woman. I'm super blessed. She's, I'm convinced, one of the best wives on planet Earth. She's super reasonable. 
I tell, excuse me, get the hiccups going. I tell other guys about her and she, uh, I tell other guys about her and they just say, wow, like that's a woman. I'm like, yep, man. Yep. Yes, she is. She's awesome. But let's say my wife stopped doing those things. She stopped doing the laundry and she stopped cooking and she stopped, uh, doing these, these things. How much, it would just be lunacy for me to just, you know, I'm not going to love her until she starts doing these things again. Now, that's how the carnal world operates. That's how the world, apart from Jesus, operates. That's how Christians who don't know how God is operate. Their love is conditional. If you do this, then I will treat you with love. But that's not how God operates. God says, I love you regardless of what you do. Nothing you can do can can stop God from loving you. There's nothing you can do, ever. God loved Hitler. I know that's a little shocking to hear. Jesus died for Hitler. All of Hitler's sins were paid for, every single one of them. And Jesus loved Hitler just as intimately and deeply as he loves me and as he loves you. That's That will, if you just meditated on that right there, I've meditated on it a little bit, and boy, that makes the mercy of God just and the grace and the love of Jesus stand out. Jesus wanted to be Hitler's best friend. Jesus died for someone like Hitler or Stalin or whoever else you want to name. These evil people, he died for them. That's heavy revy right there. But uh, it would be lunacy for me as a husband to just be like up and drop everything and say, nope. Nope, I'm not going to do this until you do this anymore. Then then I'll bless you back. It's the same thing with God. It's the same thing with Jesus. The Bible says Jesus is your spiritual husband. That's how he is. That's who he is. The way that Jesus loves you is he kisses you with the kisses of his mouth. He loves on you. He washes you with his words. You know, it's like uh, his disciples the night before he was crucified. He brought them aside, John 13, and he washed their feet. That's what he did. King of kings, Lord of lords, was a servant among men, and he loved his disciples. And he says this in John chapter 17. He says, I've kept those that you gave me. I've loved them. Praise God. (sighs) Hope everyone's doing good. Life's super exciting. Every day, thinking more and more about Wisconsin going to be me, my wife, my friend Ethan, uh, his girlfriend Annie, uh, my little brother Daniel, my very good friend Caroline, hopefully a couple other people, good friend Kirsten. I'm, uh, I keep on nudging Justin. I believe he's going to come. It's just exciting, man, to be able to uh, just be a shepherd loving on sheep. It's it's such a desire to just have a group of people to look after. And, uh, you know, the Lord spoke this to me one night. It was actually, it would have been uh, the end of July, start of August, because uh, that's when I moved to Tulsa in 2018. And I was studying John, and I, I think I was finishing the book. This was the last night I can remember it. I was in Rama Student Housing. I had my uh, my uh, desk up to the window. It was nighttime. I didn't have any friends yet, so I would just 
friends here and I would just stay in the word. It was awesome, man. And I, it was my first time living by myself. I was just enjoying me and Jesus, man. Just enjoying me and Jesus. And I was reading this passage of scripture in John here. Uh, it's John 21, 15. And it's after Jesus has raised from the dead and he's eating with his disciples and whatnot. And it says, so when they had dined, Jesus says unto Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me more than these, these other disciples? He says, you know that I love you. He says unto them, feed my lambs. He says to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love he, that I love thee. And he says unto them, Feed my sheep. He says unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. You know that I love you. Jesus says unto him, Feed my sheep. And the Lord just it's like he just gave me this overview of my life and just almost a vision of the of the core of the ministry that he wants me to participate in. I'm not talking about I had a tangible vision or I saw the Lord or I heard an audible voice. Nope, I just heard right here where the best place is to hear, right in the heart, right in the belly is really where it is. That's the Bible says the heart is in the belly. It says the candle of man is a is a light unto the Lord uh, in all the inward parts of the belly. You know, Jesus said out of the belly flows rivers of living water. That's where your spiritual heart is, your gut. You know, your gut, if you listen to your gut, you will not go astray if you're delighting yourself in the Lord, that is. And Jesus just spoke this to me, and he just said, Brock, he just said, Feed my sheep. Just feed my lambs. That's all I want you to do. And I've just, you know, that's what I've held in my heart all these months. Well, it's been over a year now since he spoke that to me. And uh, it's so exciting to think about that in just a couple of months. We'll be in a church. There will be nothing, no fakeness going on. We will not have smoke. We will not have lights. We will not have uh, video announcements. We will not have connection cards. We will not have, um, you know, just, I don't know, lame things that aren't about the Lord. And you know, the Lord spoke this to me a couple weeks ago, probably about a month ago, and it, uh, it was so genius, and there's no way that I thought about it. And I knew it was from the Holy Spirit. And he just said, I, I, was, I wasn't even thinking about it. And randomly, the Lord just said to me, there's no connection cards in Azusa Street. Or there, there were no connection cards at Azusa Street. If you don't know what Azusa Street is, it is pretty much the uh, one of the uh, out, latter rain outpouring of the spirits. Uh, happened in like 1908 or something in, in Los Angeles, California, I believe, somewhere around there. 
basically it was just like the baptism of the Holy Spirit became prominent. People were speaking in tongues, and it was brought over to America from England. And, uh, you know, it was just in a small house, you know, a medium-sized church. And it was just people getting together for months and just wild things happening. Limbs growing up, wheelchairs being left, people coming that were sick getting healed, people seeing angels, hearing angels, seeing fire on top of the building, wild things. People seeing a, a, a fire from heaven come down onto the earth. And God said there was no connection cards at Azusa Street. And I thought about that, and I knew exactly what the Lord was saying. He was saying, all of these frivolous attempts to draw people in, they're carnal. They're not rooted in Jesus. They're not rooted in the truth of the gospel of grace. They're rooted in let us multiply our church. Let's do something external to win people over. And it's this idea of like, all right, we're gonna we're going to uh, get them carnally, but then we're gonna train them up. You know, they're babies. We gotta meet them where they are. No, why don't we just preach the word, folks? Why don't we just talk about Jesus? And not in a way, but if someone doesn't want to hear about Jesus, and they're only coming to the church for the songs and for the for the for the whatever whatevers, then I don't want them in my church. I love them, and I'll accept anybody. But we are only going to be talking about the gospel. And you know, I know a lot of people disagree with me. 90% of every modern church would disagree with me. But you know what? I'm just excited. People, we're just going to watch and see what the Lord's going to do. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be Jesus-centered. We're not going to be singing whiny songs about, Lord, you're the answer to this problem. No, we're going to rejoice. We're going to have intimacy with the Lord in worship. We're going to have Holy Spirit-led services. We've got such a vision, folks, me and my wife and, and the team that we are bringing on, and I really believe it's going to just start such a movement. It's going to start such a wave, and it's going to help usher in a move of the Spirit like there has never been. And I believe that the root of it is the gospel of grace. I really believe it is. I believe it's all about the unconditional love of God. That is where the next... That is where the next move of God is, has to center around. It has to center around relationship and intimacy. The people that are lukewarm Christians, they're going to get left in the dust. And the people that are on fire for God, those are the ones that are, that are humbling themselves and they will be exalted in the kingdom of God and in the army of God. Praise Jesus. Man, I'm getting just stirred up, man. I'm just getting stirred up thinking about it. Uh... Whatever this last move of God is that's coming up shortly, and I know people say it all the time, been saying it for hundreds of years, but it's so true, man. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back soon. I just want to read this scripture here. It's, it's about the end times. Uh, it's 2 Timothy, the third chapter. Listen to this. Listen to this, and listen how perfectly this describes the culture and the world that we live in. And this also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, homosexuality, running rampant right now in our culture. Absolutely running rampant. Uh, ungodly thing. 
God loves them. He died for them. But just the, the you know, you know, 50, 60 years ago, it used to be this thing where you didn't tell you were a gay person. It was, uh, you know, quote unquote, kept behind the closet, whatever. Now we're having parades about it because they're trying to convince themselves and the world that they don't feel guilty about their own ungodliness. But that just goes against the scriptures, man. And, you know, people would get mad about how firm I'm saying this, but this is what the scriptures say. I know for a fact I'm not saying it out of a hateful heart. And if you think differently, no offense, but who are you? You know, I have the opinion of Jesus. I know what God thinks about me, and I know God would say the same thing that I'm saying. And Jesus did not tiptoe around things in his ministry. Jesus did not tiptoe. Amen. So it says these people in the end times, they'll be without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Wow, isn't that such a description of our culture? What drugs can I do? Um, what music can I listen to? What party can I go to? Um, what even churches, what church can I attend that's going to just feed my flesh? Um, I, I, I can't have a minute. I'm afraid to be alone. I don't want to think who I am. I, I, I despise myself. I need something to fill this God-shaped hole in my heart. And instead of just receiving the love of Jesus, instead of just letting him be their vine and the source, no, we are chasing after pleasure, fleshly, carnal things. And I'm not sitting here trying to say, you need to do this, 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 and this, and, and God, God's going to bring down wrath on you. No, you know what? Every sin is paid for. God is not mad at you in any way. And that's the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is God wants to come live on the inside of you, and he wants to transform you and make you perfectly holy, and then that holiness will just reflect. But you first got to come to the end of your ropes, people. You got to come to the end of yourself. That's the only difference between me and anyone else living a lifestyle that's ungodly. I was on drugs, and I realized it was destructive, and I came to the end of myself. I fell on my knees before Jesus, and, and he was right there waiting the whole time. He was waiting 20 years for me. Praise the Lord. Back to this. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Wow, what a picture of so many churches. And I'm not here to cause division, but you know what? Jesus Jesus said, I have not come to bring peace. You know, Jesus brought peace between you and God, but he says, I've come to set at balance a man against his wife, a mother against her daughter. I've come to divide people. That's what Jesus said. Divide them how? They're either going to believe the truth of the gospel or they're going to believe lies. Amen. Was that too subtle there? Did anybody not get the point? <laughs> Having the form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. What a picture of so many churches. You know, we have churches. They have community outreach. They feed the homeless. You know, they're in the schools. They're doing a, they're, 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 they're doing a quote-unquote good work. They're quote-unquote producing fruit. But any fruit that is not rooted in the grace and love and the power of God is completely by the flesh. Completely by the flesh. 
Paul said, I, th- to prove that Paul was an apostle, he said, I have not come in words only, but in power and in demonstration of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, I believe. You know, Paul was raising people from the dead. He was getting people healed. There was a power behind his ministry, his apostleship, behind the name of Jesus. You know, we have these churches, we just, you know, we sing our little songs. There's no anointing. There is no, um, what do you, there's no heavy presence of the Lord. There's no power. They just say nice words, you know. They have real, quote-unquote, practical messages. But if it doesn't have the power of the Holy Spirit behind it, and if it's not fueled by the unconditional grace, life-transforming message of Jesus, then it's a form of godliness, but it's denying the power. And the Bible says, from such, stay away. It says, turn away. Turn away from such things. They're, they, you know, I believe they're born again. I really do. I believe they're born again. I believe they have the Spirit of Christ in them, and they could do absolutely anything that I could do. They could do the same exact things as any other Spirit-filled Christian. But the thing is, is they're just saying nice little words. They're, we just live in a culture, 20-minute messages that just feed our flesh, and you know, three days later, you can't remember what the pastor said. It's pathetic. <laughs> and I don't mean to sound harsh, but... Dude, this is what Jesus, this is how he talked to the Pharisees. This is how he was with people. And uh, that's why I'm not, you know, I'm not ashamed of the full gospel, which is you are righteous apart from doing anything. All you do is believe. You, you're not getting your sins forgiven. They're already forgiven, past, present, and future sins. You don't have to get your sins under the blood, that religious unscriptural cliche saying your sins were covered before you even accepted Jesus. You know, that's what it says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, I believe it is. He says he is the atonement. Jesus is the sacrifice, the propitiation for our sins, and not our sins only, but the whole world. The entire world's sins are already paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ at his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Praise God. So anyways, as you can tell, that's a perfect description of the end times. Is it not, man? Woo-wee. Proud, blasphemers, lovers of their own selves. I used to be like that, man. I used to fit a lot of these descriptions. I lo- I thought I loved people more. I was producing fruit. I would do nice things. But like I said, fruit that's produced by the flesh is not the fruit that the Lord wants. Think about Abraham. Abraham, God comes in and says, I'm going to make you a mighty nation, you know? And it says he was righteous. How? Because he believed Abraham and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Abraham was actually a pretty scummy dude, you know? Twice he tried to give his wife away uh, for other people to have sex with his wife so that he could save his own skin. And uh, he just did a lot of shady stuff, man. But yet he was counted righteous because he believed, apart from any works of the law. Amen. But uh, Abraham, God told him that, and he said, no. He said, the promise is going to come through Isaac, your son. You and Sarah are going to have a, have a son. And basically, uh, Sarah and Abraham, they, were, they got impatient, you know? They got impatient, and 
Sarah said, well, you should just have sex with my handmaiden, Hagar. And boy, Abraham was quick to obey on that. You know, he got in faith real quick with that. So he had sex with Hagar and produced Ishmael. That's why, you know, the phrase, oh, you had a little Ishmael, a little oopsie baby. And Ishmael, if you don't know, is is uh, the Arabic. You know, that's where uh, the, the Muslim religion has spawned from. Muhammad is in his line. That's why we say, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And, uh, you know, because of that, we, we, and, and then his other son, Isaac, that's who Israel came through the Jewish people. Now we still have this conflict because of Abraham's, uh, you know, slightly testosterone decision, field decision. Anyways, God wanted the fruit of Abraham having a child so that he could produce Christ through the, through that lineage, through that line, excuse me, lineage. And, uh. Abraham, what did he do? He still had a son, but he went another route, you know? Was Abraham just like, look, God, we did it. God was like, no, you missed the point. Like, I wanted you to have it with Sarah. That was God's plan, but he went another route, and he still produced fruit. You can prove it by the whole Muslim race now, the whole Arabic race. That is a fruit of Abraham's decision, but not all fruit is good fruit. The only fruit that is worthy and good in God's sight is the fruit produced from an intimacy, an intimacy and a love relationship. You know, and I'm I'm saying all this to point back to the churches. They're producing fruits, but they're in the flesh. And like we read in 1 Corinthians 13 already, even if you give the own clothes off your back, but you don't have love behind it, you don't have it being God fueled. God is love. First John 4 8. If, if, if even if you did those things, all the things these churches are doing, the quote-unquote community outreaches, and they're doing so good for the community, I'm all for those things. Do them, baby. That's what the church should be doing. But the heart of them and the source of these churches and the things they're doing is not a spirit-filled thing. It's coming from a self-righteous place. It's coming from a, you know, people would look at that church and they just see the carnal, the outside. They say, wow, that's a great church. Look at everything they're doing. Again, it's fruit, but it's not the fruit the Lord's looking for. The fruit is looking for the, the, the Lord is looking for the fruit that's produced from the gospel of grace, the uncompromised truth that God has forgiven all sins, past, present, and future. You're not asking for forgiveness. You're not getting forgiven one sin at a time. The fruit of the gospel that you are one spirit with Christ, the fruit that he loves you unconditionally, the fruit, you have the power of the Holy Spirit. You can raise the dead. You can cleanse the leopard. You can cast out the demons. You can do all these things. That is the type of fruit that God is looking for. That is the type of fruit that you see in Jesus' ministry, Peter's ministry, John's ministry, the Apostle Paul's ministry, ministries today like Andrew Womack, Joseph Prince. Um, obviously, I'm going to say my pastor's ministry, ministries like... Uh, you know, they're few and far between, but in demonstration of the Spirit. Now, I do think that um, the, we'll say the charismatic circle, the quote-unquote, the faith side, people that are huge on faith, I think they've gotten too far off into the, you know, we got to have, it's all about the power, all about the anointing. But let's, we don't have to get in a ditch, folks. We can be right in the middle between the gospel of grace 
and the power of the Holy Spirit and mix it all up, you know? I'm really aiming for my ministry, me and Kylie's ministry, the the ministry that the Lord is leading us into. It's going to be a mixture of Azusa Street meets the Word of Faith movement. It's going to be solid foundation teaching that's rooted in the gospel of grace that, that the church has so blatantly missed over the years, even my favorite movements of God, if you can say it like that, you know, I think the Jesus movement was actually one of the closest. I think the Jesus movement in the 60s, I think they had it going on because they knew that they were unrighteous and they just received Jesus, man. They received Jesus. They got filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues. But, you know, after a while, the faith movement came, the word of faith and all these things, the teaching movements, and it just got all about the wrong things, I think. A lot of good came from it. You know, I'm a product of a lot of those things, to be honest. I wouldn't be where I was. Most people wouldn't be where they are uh, that, that believe the things that I do if it wasn't for those movements. God bless them, man. They, they, did, they, they did important things. But this new movement of God, man, it's, it's people talk about it all the time, and it never registers to me because I don't think people get it. I don't think the they understand the revelations that the Lord is leading them into. And I'm not that I'm Mr. High and Mighty and that me and my wife and my friends, we just know what's up. But you know what? I just stay tight with Christ, and I really believe that because of my relationship with Jesus, yeah, I get to know more because when you, like I said earlier, it's all about the heart of Jesus. You can hear somebody recite scriptures, their own experiences, but when you know Jesus for yourself, folks, you you can stand there and say, that's not true. You know, I, there's this verse over here, 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, 27, it says, but the anointing that you have received of Jesus abides in you. You have this anointing in you, and it says, you need not that any man teach you. Now, what does that mean? We don't listen to teachers? No, I'm a teacher. I hope you're listening to me. I hope you're listening to good teachers. But it's really the Holy Spirit through them teaching you. It says, you need not that any man teach you, but the same anointing that's in you, that you've received of Jesus, teaches you of all things and is truth and is no lie. And even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. You'll abide in him like a branch in the vine when you listen to the Holy Spirit. You know, I used to take notes in every single sermon and do everything like that. I used to, but now I don't because now I just, the scriptures say the Holy Spirit will reveal to you or he will bring to remembrance all things that Jesus has said. So you know what? If Jesus said it, the Holy Spirit's going to bring it to my remembrance, and he's not going to bring into remembrance what the preacher or the pastor or the teacher said. He's going to bring to my remembrance what Jesus said, either to counter it or to confirm what they've said. You know? Trusting in the Holy Spirit, man. All right, I've been going for about an hour. This was super relaxing. Just felt like I just got a lot of thoughts out. This was really fun. Um, I know I touched on a bunch of things, but... uh. I know personally when a pastor or a preacher or teacher does that, it's cool because you just hear that one thing that you've been thinking about, and, and that it was worth it just for that. So hopefully I just uh, stirred you up, man. I feel stirred up. I hope you guys just feel stirred up from this. Uh, I'm just going to end in some prayer. Holy, precious Father, I just bless the people that are listening right now. 
I just thank you that the blessing that's in me and that's in them, if they know Christ, just is released in a new magnificent way in their life. And most of all, I pray that they will come into an intimacy with Jesus like they have never, ever encountered before, Father. I pray the tangible love of Christ becomes an everyday occurrence for them, that they know what it means to abide in the vine, that they know what it means to listen to their heart, the Holy Spirit inside of them, and they are all getting revelations of being righteous, being valuable to the Lord, being being perfect in your sight, Father, and being one spirit, one of the greatest revelations of all. Praise God. Thank you, Father. You're great. You're awesome. We love you. We adore you. More importantly, though, you adore us. I thank you this just fuels people, stirs them up, stirs them up. Paul said, stir up the gift of God inside you. He said that to Timothy, and that's what we're doing. I just thank you, Father God, that anointing and that fire that's already on the inside of them. We're not praying for that fresh fire, Lord. We're not praying for the revival. No, it's inside of us. This is our daily lives. We walk. We live and we move and we breathe and we have our being in you, Jesus. This is no longer our, it is no longer my life. It is your life, Jesus. Your life on the inside of me and every person listening that knows you. For the ones that don't know you that's listening, Father, I just thank you that your tangible, unconditional love comes upon them so strongly right now and they can no longer resist how you adore them, Father. Praise your wonderful name, Jesus. I bless it. And you bless us, and and just thank you, Father. We just reverence you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You guys have a blessed night, day, week, month, and uh, praise the shepherd.